25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West. Right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo! What day is it? Guess what day it is, because I don't know. My head's spinning. I don't have the slightest idea. What day is this? I know this. I'm on the air with you, and it's good to be here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, say it with me. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast, friendly service. Deal with somebody one-on-one. You have a fender bender at midnight. Call them on their cell phone. Get them out of bed. That's what they do at Farm Bureau, and that's the way it ought to be. It's the way it is. It's the way it ought to be. And I'm staying connected to you because of C Spire. What's up, Roger? How are you, sir? My, my first question. What is your first question? Driving around at midnight, man. <laughs> Nothing good happens after midnight. That's right. That's not really true, though. I mean, you think about truck drivers. You think about delivery services, law enforcement. Those are all good things. If you're not working. Yeah, there you go. If you're working after midnight, okay. Nothing but uh, mischief. Mischief. That's that's right. You want to get pulled over here in Madison County, go tooling around after midnight. Uh Uh-huh. See what happens. Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Yes. (laughs) The great Mr. Rogers. Um, So... Coming up in a minute, David Murray, or not in a minute, several minutes, David Murray from Jeans Page is going to be on, and I want to talk with him a little bit about the weather situation for the Super Regional this weekend, and what if this, and what if that, what if they play one game, what if they all get rained out, what are they going to do? Talk about it with David Murray coming up. But Roger, I just wanted to throw something at you completely off the wall, out of nowhere. I am always fascinated with nature. I always have been. I've always been an outdoorsman. Um, and these days, you know, I'm the breadwinner winner in the family, which doesn't allow for a whole lot of outdoors nature time. So when I do come in contact with it, I like to um, soak it in a little bit. And as you know, I spent the last few days uh, in Kentucky in and around Lexington, Kentucky, on a uh, video production um, job, shoot, whatever. So we were out and about. You take your drone with you? I did. It's a part of it. I got the license, so it's part of the uh, video production work that we do. Tweet out a picture of that thing. I want to see what you got. The drone? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll do it. You have to give those me are it. pretty wicked looking. Yeah, and I, you know, they get smaller and smaller. This is a small one, but... Um, yeah, they have great cameras on them now compared you can't to what take it was. Al Qaeda with yours though. Oh no, no. Okay. No, no. 
This one would bounce off. Yeah, can't deliver any packages like Amazon. Yeah, anything significant anyway, it would just bounce right off. Um, no, this is what I was going to tell you. So I'm in Kentucky, and um, I hear this bird singing out in the woods, and it's the most beautiful song. I I have a fascination with birds. I'm not a bird watcher. I don't go around with the binoculars chasing them and marking them off when I see one. I just have always been fascinated with birds. And some sing prettier than others. But this was one that I, I just, I don't hear this. So apparently we don't have this kind of bird around here. And so when I heard it, I just thought it was beautiful. And I recorded the sound. This was in the woods, out in the woods a couple of days ago. And I want to see if you or anybody can identify this bird by its song. I'm serious. And they don't roll your eyes. I'm, I'm, this is not a joke. I'm serious. So let's see, let me see if I can play it for you here. See if you can hear this. All right, listen. You hear that? It's that song over and over. You hear that? All right. So if you can identify that bird for me, I would very much appreciate it because I'm trying to track down what kind of bird this is. Roger, is that the weirdest start to this radio show we've ever had? Bird song. Bird That's song. Not bad. It's beautiful, it, isn't it? Gets you a you are there feeling. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was it's really a beautiful sound. I'm trying to figure out what it you is. You know, the funny thing is somebody probably knew right what you're talking about. Yeah. Somebody did, I'm sure. Heard it and was like, you know, that's it. It's this, that. So I got a text from somebody who apparently is a bird expert. Ken Hackman. And um, on Twitter, he is at Birds Are Cool. You'll remember Caleb Hamill, my buddy Caleb Hamill, up-and-coming broadcaster, who hosted the show with me for a couple of days when we were at Hoover for the SEC baseball tournament. When I tweeted out, hey, what kind of bird is this? And it was the sound. Uh, Caleb retweeted it and tagged this guy on Twitter at birds are cool. It's B-R, you know, bird and then Z are cool. And he said, it is a wood thrush. So now I'm going to look that up in the break. Okay. The kind of bird that I heard that I thought was maybe the prettiest song. And, of course, we're in the woods, and so it's like echoing off the, bouncing off the leaves, so the sound is just that much more palpable. So it's a wood thrush. Very cool. Thank you, Ken. Ken Hackman is him. I know what dodo bird sounds like. We've got a few of those around. (laughs) Yep. And a few lemmings. A few lemmings. Is that a type of bird? I want to say maybe a flightless bird. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know that they, they all march off a cliff. <laughs> chicken hawks. You yeah. ever seen a chicken hawk? Oh, yeah, we have. We do have one of those that listens. Yeah, we got some buzzards who call in every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Good stuff. All right, just had to share that. It is what it is. Just had to share it. It is a wood thrush, according to him. It's the prettiest song, bird song, I've ever heard. It really is. 
Hey, speaking of birds, you know, they live in trees, and the trees are coming to Starkville this weekend. Did you know that? Is there anybody out there who was not aware that the Stanford Cardinal, I swear I didn't intend on making that segue, but since we're talking about birds. <laughs> you did, you, you're not that big a planner. No, I'm not. I did plan, though, for us to call David Murray right about now, though, Roger. So yes. let's get him on. Um, yeah, speaking of birds, the Cardinal are coming for, uh, yeah, that's right, bird science, are coming uh, to Starkville this weekend for the Super Regional. They live in trees. The Cardinal do live in trees. Is that why the Stanford Cardinal, it's not plural, doggone it. It's like the, It's not a bird, it's the color, Cardinal. They are so smart. They're so much smarter than everybody else. So they know how to have a mascot that doesn't have an S on the end. The Stanford Cardinal, but their their mascot is is a tree. It's a big goofy looking tree. Raggedy looking fake tree. That's what their mascot what their mascot is. <laughs> All right, here we go. Baseball, I promise you. David Murray is on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Kubota! The big orange fleet, baby! Here they come. Not talking about Tennessee. Talking about Kubota. You can get them at Divinity in Madison and in Jackson. David is on the Divinity phone. David is with Jeans Page and 24-7 Sports. And we're going to talk a little baseball. And what might be and what might happen and what if it rains, which it's going to do this weekend in Starfall. <laughs> It's not an if, Matt. It's a win. It's, it's a win and how that. much, right? And uh, by the way, about the Stanford mascot, I first got to see him at the 2005 NCAA Basketball Regional in Charlotte. Yep. And that tree is weird. It's I weird. I mean, <laughs> we got death, got a death head uh, emblem on it and all sorts of stuff. Like It's almost like the guys from Animal House designed the mascot there. Yeah. But uh, it's. It's interesting, and it says a lot about the nature of the campus. But I tell you what, the nature of the baseball team mm. would fit right in in the SEC this year, especially. This is a very good Stanford team coming in that is not your typical Pac-12 offense. No, they hit the long ball. I watched them in their regional championship game against Fresno, and they hit a bunch of home runs, including a kid named Maverick. His first name is Maverick. Hit two home runs. He's their two-hole hitter, the catcher, um, and they pitch it pretty well too. I don't know if they necessarily have all the depth in their pitching staff that State does, but I know their starters, all their starters are like the other teams are hitting around 230 against them and all that. I mean, that's it's a really good baseball team coming in. It is. I, we believe they're going to go right, right, left in the if necessary game, and they've taken some losses at both ends of the rotation as well. And I'll tell you this, but it's always factor into the batting average against their pitching staff what type of offenses they're generally facing. Now, of course, we've seen firsthand that Pac-12 offenses certainly can win on the big stage. Oregon State last year, UCLA, Arizona. Um, they have as many national championships a decade as the SEC does, so they can play a game. But Stanford is different in the respect that they're very much a drive-the-ball team instead of a bump-and-run. And here's a totally arcane stat that I dug up the other day. They led the Pac-12 by far in average of fly ball out to ground ball out, which tells you they're putting the ball in the air a whole lot. That means that uh, come 
if if the game starts on Saturday or if it starts on Sunday, which I'm sure we're about to get to, mm. Ethan Small better keep the ball down in the zone because these guys will tee off on you and try to drive it. And Duty Noble Field, ever since the new stadium opened, as Bulldog players will tell you, is playing a lot smaller. The fences are a lot more reachable thanks to the revised airflow. Mm-hmm. David Murray on your radio. So, yeah, what about this weather? I mean, it's going to rain all weekend. And, David, it has seemed to me that Coach Lamonis and the staff and everybody in conjunction with the on-campus meteorology people have really nailed it throughout the year with when they should play, when they should move a game to, when to pull a tarp, when to, you know, all that. They've really been on top of it. But what do you do with a with the importance of a weekend like this? And you're running Ethan Small out there, and if he goes out there and throws four innings, gets rained out, you don't come back till the next day. That's it for him. It is, and fans have to keep in mind too. This tournament is not under Mississippi State's control, so State and the SEC and the visiting team cannot get together and say, "Hey, we think it's going to be clear here. Let's start the game time here." That has to be done by, and not even TV's in charge, bless me for a change. The NCAA Baseball Committee is in charge of all those decisions. That's why all games have to be played. There's no run rule involved. You've got to finish the games. So that complicates it somewhat. They they do, now I'm I'm looking at the NCAA manual, and by the way, if people want to go really kill some time, dig up the NCAA Tournament Baseball Manual, and you'll find all the possible scenarios for what weather does to a super regional round. If we're just going to fast forward to the bottom line, is they want this done by Tuesday. And if necessary, you can play double headers, um, But you can't schedule them two days in advance and say the weather's going to be here. You have to almost wait until the game is washed before you make those decisions. And let's go forward. Again, the question we keep getting, I'm sure you heard the same thing, Matt. What happens if they only get one or two games played, they can't finish it, how do they decide who goes to Omaha? Answer, they pick. Mm-hmm. And there is no listed criteria. I think they're very smart doing that. There's nothing like, well, this in this case, this team picks. But for everyone who panics over that, keep in mind, the same people who are making the decision to pick a team, if it comes to that, are the same people who seeded these teams and cited them in the first place. They've made Mississippi State a sixth seed. They made Stanford a 12 seed, or I'm sorry, 11 seed. I think the Bulldogs would be in great shape if all things are equal. Would something like fan support ever factor into that pick? I guess there's no way to know, but no. what do you think? No. O- Omaha fills up regardless who's playing there. Um, so uh, that that is not a factor at all. Uh, bringing a fan base is not a factor. Now, I'll tell you this. If you, if you left it up to the Omaha hotel people, oh, yeah, it'd be a factor. Because I once asked, um, in fact, my 2013 trip there, I asked um, at the nice hotel I stayed at for a couple of days because somebody else helped me with their points. <laughs> it's tough to get one there, as you all know. Mm-hmm. I said, by the way, you know, who do you all like to see most? And without blinking, the lady in charge said, Texas. Mm-hmm. Not only do they bring a lot of people, they spend a lot of money. So they love to see Texas there. After that is the tie between LSU and Mississippi State. And now that Arkansas has jumped up in there, and, and Ole Miss, if they make it, will take a great crowd as well. They want those SEC teams after that. But as far as the tournament people who select it, no. They will do it by straightforward baseball reasons. Okay. And so if we look at each scenario again so that we're all clear, um, I know you know, and we've kind of discussed it and, you know, on the back-end communication. I've been able to read a little bit about it. But for people listening, let's go through each scenario. 
Let's go first all of all. Right. You, you just touched on it. The what if on if they don't get to play any games, then the committee's going to pick. What if they play one game this weekend? That's that's what I mean. They have not listed any criteria. Okay. They've they've left themselves. It's basically two or three sentences in the manual that says if for unforeseen circumstances, and that could include everything from weather to earthquakes to probably to a horde of locusts and maybe an asteroid strike thrown in, that um, the tournament can't be completed or played at all. The okay. committee will pick a team. Okay. They don't say by how many runs. They don't say if who's leading in a series. They don't give anything. They've left themselves a completely blank slate okay. to pick those teams. So we can't give you any scenarios on that. Okay. And frankly, it really hasn't happened much, if at all, since the Super Regional format started. So they've been very fortunate in that regard. But once they went to the decision that some of these regionals only start on Saturday and you've got to be through by midnight Tuesday, you have kind of left some people in a bind, potentially, with the weather. Yeah. Um, as you kind of uh, have covered NCAA tournaments over the years, have you ever run into a super regional with state where rain moved games around? Oh yes, uh, in Charlottesville, 2013, we were sitting there thinking that if Virginia had come back, they would have had to play a game on Tuesday because it was already delayed a game by weather. And we're sitting there going, if state wins, and they were not going to change the slot that the, the winner of that regional played in Omaha. They were going to play the two o'clock game on Saturday regardless. All of a sudden, you're thinking, well, we're not even going back to Starville. We're just going to head straight to Omaha. And many a team has done that in the past, particularly surprise winners from out west who win Super Regionals, just go straight on to Omaha and just have their luggage meet them there. Um, and, of course, two years ago in Baton Rouge, we never thought we'd get that second game finished because it was rain-delayed three whole times. And last year at Vanderbilt, it was darn close to not even getting the Sunday game in, the rubber game. Mm. It might have stretched over. State has not had a Super Regional disrupted by weather completely, but it has come awfully close several times running. So we've kind of gotten used to dealing with these weather questions of what happens if it rains, what are the rain delays, what's the latest time you can start a game, all sorts of things. Can you play a doubleheader? Yes. And I'll run through a couple of things quickly here for the June 8-10 format, which State's in. If Saturday's canceled, they'll play one Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday if necessary. If Saturday is played and Sunday canceled, and I think it's going to be the opposite. I think Saturday's going to get washed and Sunday has a chance to get played. You can play game two Monday, game three necessary Tuesday. Now, here's where it gets fun. If Saturday and Sunday are both canceled, you play games one and two on Monday and then the if necessary game Tuesday mm. and so on and so forth. If you don't play at all, you play a doubleheader on Tuesday. Okay. Okay, so and Tuesday is the last day that you could play any ball games. That's what it reads right now. I think they've left themselves a little bit of wiggle room, okay. especially for those that may start and when the, with, whose game slot is next Sunday. But I think they want to get it done by Tuesday evening because you know there's all sorts of logistics to take care of. You know, even media credentials in that regard. You know, yeah. So. Um, they're the complications, but they've left themselves to – what the committee wants to do is make this as fair as possible. And, by the way, that's why there's no run ruling, and there is – you must play the full nine innings. There's no – if you're leading after six and a half, the game's over, none of that. You've got to play the things out. So even if – let's just get ridiculous here – one of the teams is leading 11-2 to two in the seventh inning on Monday evening, no, you've got to come back and finish the game on Tuesday. Okay. If you get a gully washer, say, in the middle of the day on Saturday, how fast does the field drain? 
very fast ever since the field was revised. Of course, the new stadium, they were managed to fix the old drainage system. I think the field could easily be ready to go in certainly two hours and practically less. Now, obviously, your big thing is lightning because once that pops, you've got the mandatory waiting period, and that really fouls things up. But this ground crew knows what it's doing. The field's in superb shape. So they would be able to get things going. And uh, like you know, two years ago in Hattiesburg, I mean, that was a deluge down there every day. We lost an entire day to rain. I just sat around the press box for about eight hours with the tournament director and a bunch of other people telling Ron Polk stories. Mm-hmm. And that's the best thing is they're all true. So <laughs> we had a good time there, but it was not fun watching the rain. But they have ways of getting these fields done. I am sorry to report, though, that as best I know, what we did back in 1988 in the Starville Regional, when we burned the infield off, mm. is no longer done. Darn it, because <laughs> that was fun, watching that thing touch off. It was like the closing credits to Apocalypse Now when they let that thing go. <laughs> I bet. You could see the smoke, I bet, for, you know, 50 miles probably. Oh, the flames were 20 feet high. I'm not exaggerating. Wow. I took a photo of it, and they ranged from shortstop to almost first base. Good grief. That's wild. David, thank you. We'll see you this weekend. Well, bring your uh, wet weather gear. Yeah. We're going to spend a lot of time in the press box, Matt. Will do. Sure will. I'll make sure I get the phone charged up. We'll just chat it up. Thank you, man. Sounds good, man. All right. Okay. See you. David Murray, Jeans Page. Looking ahead of the weekend. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. A little more information on what they might do. This from the NCAA manual. Or at least I'll tell you what it says in the manual about handling weather for Super Regionals. That and more ahead in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to text me or to call me. I'm ready. I was born ready. I'm ready, ready. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. All right. Give me a shout on the uh, Divinity Equipment phone. It is 995-1059. Got it? That's the number. It's a 601 number. 995-1059. I saw it light up while David Murray was on the phone. So if that they was you. to hear my voice. Somebody just want to talk to you, Roger? All I heard was. Do you have a secret admirer who calls and breathes into the phone? That or. Maybe they're suffering from emphysema. I don't know. <laughs> well, that could be both. <laughs> I just got to wait until I catch my breath. I'll call back. <laughs> I, I will admit one time uh, I was a little boy, you know, probably, gosh, I mean, I was really young, maybe like second grade. And um, for like a brief moment, I developed a crush on this one little girl. And... Uh, Dangerous territory. I yeah, know it I got was 30 it. years ago. Yeah, that's right. It was dangerous. It really was second grade. I developed this crush on this girl in my class, and 
Um, I don't remember if I talked to somebody about it or if I just dreamed it up myself. But anyway, I I got up the nerve to get her number. You know, back then, Roger, we looked up everybody's number in a phone book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In a small town, Russellville, Alabama, small town. I looked up her number in the phone book, found it, and picked up the phone, dialed the number, boom, 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 punched it in. Actually, it was one of those phones on the wall, but to the rotary. You know, you had to, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And dialed it, and it's ringing, and then she answered the phone. Oh, my God. And when she said hello, I froze. I had totally, I just remember, had totally not prepared for that moment. Up until that point, everything just seemed easy, nothing to it. Sure, I'm just going to. I'll gonna, say this, you'll say that. Yeah, I'm just going to. Yeah. I'm just going to call and. You know, I here's what in my head. Her her parents would answer the phone, and I would say, "Can I speak to so and so?" But when the little girl, what are you doing, banana hands? <laughs> when she answered the phone, I could not spit out one word. And so that she said hello, and there was this silence. And then because there was silence, she went, "Hello." And the and now that now that I haven't spoken after the first hello, now I'm terrified. <laughs> and I just froze and she hung up. That was my first ever experience calling a girl. I was really young and I completely froze. <laughs> I got better at it after that. I don't imagine that you are the only guy that's ever happened to. <laughs> Have you ever met a woman is just so striking that you couldn't, I mean, face-to-face. -face, couldn't say like, anything? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you start dropping stuff, and, yeah. you know, you start trying to talk really fast, and you get nervous, all because she's so strikingly beautiful. Yeah. Been there. <clears throat> I think we've all been there. Um, Like that scene, you remember that scene from that movie, No Time for Sergeants? Old black-and-white movie, Andy Griffith. Is that the one where he he's... In charge of the latrine. And yes. He gets it done so proud. There's like 50 of them. And he hits one little button and all the lids come up at That's one it. time. That's exactly that right. Movie. <laughs> it is a great, great movie. Don Knotts plays a role in it, a brief one. But the main character is Andy Griffith. He plays the part of Will Stockdale. They gave him a car. They said he was a draft dodger. His dad was just tearing up the letters. He didn't want him to go into the Army or the Air Force in this case. So they went and retrieved him, brought him to the bus station to send him off to basic training, put handcuffs on him so he couldn't leave, even though he was really not a threat to leave. And they handed him a card to fill out all his information. And they said, last name first, first name, middle name last. And it really confused the hillbilly, Will Stockdale. <laughs> and he goes, last name first. And they said, yeah, that's right. Last name first, first name, middle name last. So he proceeded to fill it out, and when they looked at his card and read it, they said, Stockdale, Stockdale, Will, Will, Stockdale, Stockdale. <laughs> <laughs> he was totally confused. But there's a scene in that movie, anyway, where he's on the base, the military base. He's in his uniform with one of his buddies, Ben, and up walks a captain in the Air Force, who happens to be a woman. And she was beautiful, but it's the combination of a 
a woman in a captain's uniform barking out orders. And when he saw it, he just became completely dumbfounded. His mouth was open. He was staring. He froze in disbelief. (laughs) Anyway, look that one up. You young whippersnappers, if you haven't ever seen that, you're missing out. Uh, Regarding the mascot at Stanford, Roger found this. The Stanford tree is the Stanford band's mascot. It's the band's mascot. And the official mascot of the university, Stanford's team name is Cardinal. Referring to the vivid red color, not the songbird. There you go. We got it. You thought Ole Miss had a mascot identity crisis. Dad gum. Well, my mascot is a color red. You know, well, let's say this, though. At least Stanford doesn't send their mascot out onto the field with a theme song all by himself before a football game. What I I I have less and less problem with you know you want to be a shark and I get it it's pretty cool when they do the defensive thing and they do the land shark thing you know because you're making defensive plays and you put that thing over your head and it gets the fans excited I, nothing wrong with all of that you want to be a shark be a shark I don't you know but I'll just go back and say whoever whomever decided at Ole Miss that it was a good idea to play like the Jaws-esque type music and have this human being in a really weird-looking shark outfit put his hands behind his back, bend at the waist, and proceed to saunter side to side, kind of, I guess, emulating swimming maybe, but we're on land. And he does it from like the goal line to midfield by himself. It's the it was the weirdest, goofiest thing I have ever seen during pregame of a football game. To who or whomever made that decision that that's what you're gonna do? Hey, listen to me. Change it. Bad decision. As Peter from a, Griffin, from a guy who's been to a few football games, <laughs> never seen, seen anything, a few mascots, right, buddy? Never seen anything like it. And look. Like Peter Griffin on Family Guy says, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> All right. So call me on the Davini phone. Text me at 885-ESPN-885-3776. Uh, Jonathan texted the show and said, I'm pretty sure not even Chris Brooks would open a show with Name This Bird Song. All right. Doggone it. I like it. It we found we we found out that it's a wood thrush, thanks to the birds are cool man Ken Hackman on Twitter. See, it's beautiful and it's a wood thrush. I'll be hearing some of those probably uh, next couple of weeks when I go up to the Attaboy. mountains. Attaboy, keep your ears peeled, man. They're all around you. If I hear S- something nice, I'll record it for you. Yeah, do that. Bring it back for me. We will entertain the masses here on the radio with it. Mass communication. <laughs> um, more text to get to, and uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into a countdown. We're going to make up for yesterday. I've got something to say about Jake Wimberly that's very important. That's coming up next. And a, another football team to count down and preview here on our countdown to college football season. That's what's next here on the show. 
in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Listen. <laughs> there it is. Pay attention. You might learn something around here. You know, we laugh, but I really do think people need to pay attention to the little birds flying around. Listen to them. God created them. Don't just ignore knows, them. Knows how many feathers they got on the sparrow. That's exactly right. Now, I will say that I've been going down the road sometimes, want to fly in front of my car, and bam! (laughs) And I can't help that. It was not intentional. Not intentional. I hit one one time, knew it, looked in my rearview mirror, but didn't see anything. Like it just disappeared. Real. You're like, that's weird. Then about four days later in the garage, you're like, what is that smell? And you have to, then you're like, oh gosh, you got to dig in there and find it. It's terrible. Smells like teen spirit. <laughs> no, it had a red hawk coming in for a diving run, apparently on some rodent on the other side of the road, going yeah. down the trace. Yeah. And a little celica, which has a, a very, you know, the, the window slopes down a lot. And stuff, yeah. You know, right. straight up and down. Yeah. That hawk was coming in there, had those the feet out in that classic pose of a raptor, you know, coming in. <laughs> yeah. And and he had an OS look on his face. <laughs> on his beak. <laughs> Bam! You hit he him, hit, didn't he, you? He hit it and just went boom and just kept on sliding over the top of the car. Mm. I don't know what uh happened to that. Became <laughs> of him? Yeah. Well, that's just part of life. Didn't see that car. <laughs> <laughs> Red Hawk. Hey, you know what? You ever seen a red wolf? Red wolf. Red wolves. No. no. The red wolves are the subject of our countdown at this point. Here we go. It's uh, team number, what are they? 87. Team number 87. So this would have been on yesterday's countdown. Because today is actually 86. We're going to do them later. Team number 86 later on the countdown. 100 teams in 100 days leaving at the start of the season. So team number 87 is, are they are the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. Oh, Lord of mercy. I just spilled my coffee all over the desk. It was bound to happen. Whatever. Here's a fight song. I'll clean this up later. What do you think about the Arkansas State fight song? Yes, no? I like it. Blues. Pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Man, I knocked my coffee cup over. There's coffee everywhere right now. Hold on a minute. Get you a sippy cup. <laughs> Apparently. Well. Now, I'm going to smell a like... A mechanic and a... No. 
<laughs> you must fill the time, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> Dust off my old vaudeville routine. <laughs> Thank my wife, please. <laughs> oh, that's great. Two men walk into a bar. The second one should have ducked. All right. <laughs> All right, so that was the Arkansas State fight song. Did you know that they they haven't always been the Red Wolves? Arkansas State changed in 2008 from the Indians. An article at uh, U.S. News said the Indian mascot was shown the door after the NCAA banned American Indian imagery and names from use. A school committee back then in 08 chose Red Wolves, a very specific moniker, over just plain old wolves. Number one, they chose it because no other four-year university uses it. Well, there's a reason. Plus, as it said, quote, the Red Wolf is a noble species that once inhabited Arkansas said the school's chancellor, who also mentioned the beast's viciousness and aggressiveness. (laughs) (laughs) This is the red wolf once cohabitated with the rednecks. (laughs) Yeah. Red wolf. Well, they used to be running around here. Oh, yes, yes. You know, ask any cattle farmer about the noble wolf. (laughs) (laughs) And the coyote. (laughs) The noble red wolf. Roger, that was very vicious and aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Tell you what, these doggone committees and selecting mascots. If y'all can't do any better than that, just stop. Okay. It really does uh, mean something, I guess, that Mississippi College was able to to get an an exception because the, the tribe wrote him a letter says, okay, we like it. Yep. The Mississippi College Choctaws. The Choctaws. Well, I mean, yeah. it's their name. There's nothing offensive about it or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, um, related news, just this past offseason, the Cleveland Indians in Major League Baseball made the announcement that they are doing away with the Chief Wahoo. Is that, wait a minute, do I have that right? I believe it's called Chief Wahoo. It's a you know a, a in, insignia of like the face and it's like an Indian and he's got the feather. <clears throat> you know, back in the up and up through the eighties, the Atlanta Braves had Chief Nakahoma. Yeah, yeah, that's that was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was the coolest. Very clever. Well, it was very clever, and they had him actually in a teepee out in the stadium in the outfield. You you remember that? He would come out of the teepee. I'm serious. The Atlanta Braves had a teepee on a platform out in the outfield. And if they hit a home run, Chief Nakahoma came out and did a dance around the teepee. It's no wonder they did that away with that. was somebody's job to be this is job. Chief Nakahoma. That's great. It's no wonder they did away with that. But they, like they you did. you leave the dishes in the company sink, it's your day to be Nakahoma. Yeah, they did have this logo. The Braves did this uh, Screaming Indian logo that, like I say, I still have things from when I was a kid that we'd get when we'd go to the games, and it was a cool-looking logo. But, you know, 
I mean, it it was very stereotypical, and um, anyway, is what it is. Yeah, the Indians doing away with the Chief Wahoo thing. Uh, but anyway, okay, so they're now the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Five things you need to know, according to SB Nation, about their football team is uh, their head coach, Blake Anderson, 39 and 25. This will be his sixth year at ASU. And it's the first time they've had a coach last for six years in a long time. There for a while, it was like a coach came in, Hugh Freeze, and then gone to Ole Miss. Then a coach came in, Gus Malzahn, gone to Auburn. You know, it's like they coach one year, go be a coach, head coach at a bigger school. They just constant turnover. He's been there six years. They are starting over at quarterback. They lose him. Who They had a pretty good one. Um, they have a group of receivers returning that have caught a bunch of passes at Arkansas State. And so personnel, that's kind of what you need to know. Um, last season, they had a pretty good football team last year. Started the season 3-3, three and three, and their three wins were over Southwest Missouri State, Tulsa, and UNLV. Their losses were to Alabama, Georgia Southern, and App State. App State blew them out. And they're sitting there at 3-3 three and three at the halfway point of the year. And then they proceeded to win five of their last six ball games in the Sun Belt. Beat Georgia State, put up 51 points. Lost a shootout against the Raging Cajuns, 47-43. But then finished on four straight wins over South Alabama, Coastal Carolina, Monroe, Louisiana Monroe, and Texas State. And they put up on offense 38-44, 31-33 in those games. But they lost their bowl game to Nevada, low scoring, 16-13 in overtime. Exciting uh, bowl game for Arkansas State. You know, they play a lot of SEC schools or have over the years. And so they have Georgia on the schedule this year. They played Alabama last year in Tuscaloosa. This year in week three, Arkansas State will go to Georgia. So there you go. That's really what you need to know about uh, Arkansas State. Team number 87 on the countdown. we got team number 86 coming up later. At this point, I have no idea if they are or aren't as or more interesting than Arkansas State. We'll find out. I had a te- Roger, I had a teammate in high school who went on and played football at Arkansas State. You know what his name was? I have no idea. His name? was Spanky Beavers. <laughs> That's his name, Spanky. Played linebacker for Arkansas State from it's Pratt, Ohio. Was his given name wasn't Spanky. No, his given name was Linton Beavers. Linton. His nickname was Spanky. And he's now Linton Be- Dr. Linton Beavers, and he is a math and algebra teacher at our alma mater, Prattville High School. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me he's an OBGYN. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Roger. <laughs> that would have been too perfect. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, Lord of mercy. Nope, he's teaching math. He followed in his mother's footsteps. Miss Beaver, rest her soul, she passed away in 2017, but his mom was a teacher at our school growing up. Great, great folks. <laughs> All right, that wraps up hour one and hour two is obviously right around the corner. I'll get your phone calls and your texts here in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.